Hey guys, had a thought about miracles. One of the things that I get frustrated with in prayer is that when I ask something, it doesn't happen right away. I am impatient. And it's hard to know when to persist in prayer and wait for God's timing, or if you're just praying for something that is not according to God's will. So I had a thought as I was I've jumped into the New Testament again. I finished listening to the Old Testament where it's a lot of kind of doom and gloom. I mean, there's there's prophecies about the Christ and the Messiah and and statements of God's love, but the majority of the text is really the punishments and the discipline that God administered to the people of Israel because of their hardened hearts. And as you listen to the Old Testament front to back, it can be a little bit, well, it can be a little bit doom and gloom. So as I jumped into the New Testament, and it's action-packed, it's full of great statements of hope and love, and it's, it's miracles left and right, the contrast between the Old Testament and New Testament is really interesting. And it, as I was pondering that this morning, it, it led me to think about my frustrations in prayer. I like to be able to push a button and see something come out of the vending machine. I like to order something online and have it show up three or four days later. Uh, we're used to, in our modern culture, with technology advances and things like that, we're used to things happening how we want it and when we want it. And God doesn't work on that schedule. God has perfect timing for everything. And so as I was reflecting on my frustration, Mark in particular is a book that is very action-packed. And listening to the demons being cast out, listening to the people being healed, it caused me to wonder why don't we see that today? And it is important to remember that miracles are used to establish the credibility and the authority of the speaker. And we see throughout the Bible three major time periods where miracles were very prevalent and and occurred frequently. That is around Moses when the law was being given and, and they were being delivered from Egypt the miracles that Moses, that God performed through Moses, established him as a divine messenger, as as one who had authority that God was working through. The next time frame we have are the prophets of Elijah and Elisha around that time frame, and God was speaking a message to call the Israelites back for them to repent, that he was going to administer discipline if they didn't in in exiling them to other nations. And so he confirms the word of Elijah and Elisha and other prophets by, uh, by doing miracles through them. And then we have through Jesus and the apostles establishing the credibility of Jesus's word and the the apostles teachings and doing miracles through them. 
So sometimes we can get a, a false view that, you know, if we're really close with God, we're going to be doing all the same miracles that the apostles did, that the prophets did, and that Moses did. And that's not the case. We're not being established as ones speaking the divine word. And so there isn't the need for all those kinds of miracles, and God doesn't seem to be performing them in the same frequency. I'm not a cessationist. I don't believe that those signs and wonders were finished with the apostles. I do believe God does that today, and I think there are many stories and examples in more so, it seems like, in, in other countries, uh, not so much in the U.S. I think because we maybe don't have the same faith in the spiritual, we, we explain everything away with science. So getting back to this, this wrestling with patience, as we ask for God to move in our lives, as maybe we ask God to remove some difficult circumstances or ask for healings as you know from cancer or whatever <laughs> i had a conversation with my 7 year old encouraging her that that god protects her and that god loves her and and her words were yeah but god doesn't do anything and i think it was in the context of you know she she wanted god to clean her room or something like that but i i resonated a little bit with what she said that god doesn't do anything and I think if we were to phrase that in a way, maybe stated more clearly in the context, is God doesn't do what I want. We're focused on God making things more comfortable. We're focused on God making things better so we, can, so we don't have to suffer and whatnot. And God is more concerned with our holiness than he is with our comfort. But at the same time, we also tend to, even if we are praying for things that are relevant to our heart change, maybe some weaknesses, some character flaws that we really want God to remove, and I, I've got plenty of those that I asked for, and he seems slow about that. So the thing that occurred to me as I was listening to Mark, particularly, I think, the, the miracle that that tipped me off was the woman who was hemorrhaging for 12 years. She came up to Jesus in the crowd and she believed that if I just touch his cloak, I will be healed. And she did that. She walked up to him, she, she just touched his garment and she could feel in herself that she had been healed. And I think the misperception I have is I forget that those that were healed in Jesus's time didn't have the issue pop up and then a day later, oh, I know someone that can fix it. I mean, they, they the man born blind, I mean, he, he was probably 30, 40 years old by the time he was healed. He had to deal with that struggle for a long time. The woman with the hemorrhage had to deal with that struggle for 12 years. And I'm, I'm betting she was praying daily that God would heal her because the hemorrhage according to the Old Testament law made her unclean which also kind of cut her off from the assembly so she couldn't come into the temple and worship because she was unclean 
And so she's cut off from God, well, from worshiping with the people of God for 12 years. I don't think she was cut off from God himself. I think she, he listened to her prayers and, and all that. But my, my point is, we have a discomfort that pops into our lives. We struggle with it for hours or days or even weeks or perhaps much longer. And we're frustrated because God doesn't answer in a moment. God doesn't answer to heal the issue as soon as it comes up. And there is value in suffering. God does a lot of work in suffering in our hearts. It's, it's humbling. It casts us upon God. I remember where I, I think it was a sermon by Sam Storms, but he was talking about how he was talking about Paul praying for the thorn in the flesh to be removed. And God said, my power is perfected in weakness. There was benefit in leaving that physical ailment, whatever that thorn of the flesh was, there was benefit in leaving that so Paul could understand his weakness and understand God's strength. There's another passage where he says that they were, that they felt that they were near to death. And it says, so that they put their trust and faith in God who saves and not in themselves. So you could think of suffering as as a a tool that separates our abilities from God's abilities. And when the woman for 12 years was suffering with the hemorrhage and when uh, the, the people born blind that, that God healed or the lame man sitting by the gate called Beautiful and, and Peter and John said, I don't have silver and gold, but what I get and what I have, I give to you. And, and he jumped up and he could walk normal. I mean, he was 40 plus years old and, and had to beg for food because he couldn't work. So all of these miracles that we see in the, in the New Testament, we can't forget the backstory that they did, I'm sure, pray and pray and pray and pray. And God set an appointed time to work in their lives at probably the perfect time. He just happened to group a a lot of those around the times of Moses, around the times of the prophets, and around the times of Jesus. In our lives, as we ask and pray for God to deal with circumstances, as we ask and pray for God to heal our moral flaws, I think we need to understand there's, there's... work that God does through the suffering and he has perfect timing in mind. He hears us. I think he says yes, no, and wait. And I don't know what how to discern the difference between no and wait. I'm still working through that and I'm still frustrated with it. But I think it is important to understand that Jesus didn't heal these things as soon as they were struggling with them, he at the right time healed them after they had wrestled with their weakness. And, and think about, you don't appreciate really nice weather until you've gone through a North Dakota winter of 25 below in, in certain stretches and whatnot. That's when you really enjoy the 70 degrees. 
And I think that's the other thing going through suffering does is it, it teaches us, it gives us a contrast to appreciate what God really does in our souls, what God really does in our circumstances is when things are good, we can compare that when things were not good. But think, think about those that get everything they want from childhood on up. They have, I think, expectations that everything is about them and they are not humble. They expect everybody to serve them. They get mad and irate when they don't get what they want. And God isn't raising children like that. God is raising children who are appreciative for what they get, who praise him when things go well, and even praise him when things don't go well. He's raising children who, who can separate joy from circumstances. And so that was my revelation this morning, is when, when God's not answering your prayers, even if, it's, even if you think it has to be answered now, God has perfect timing. He has purpose for your struggles. And it's doing a deep work that we probably don't, can't see and can't understand until we are looking back at it much later. So that was an encouragement to me to, to realize. <clears throat> so I hope it's an encouragement to you.